Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 60 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. This episode is the second of several unique episodes that I'm releasing over the coming weeks. As I'm drawing closer to the one-year anniversary of the starting of my podcast at the end of December, I wanted to take a look at what the pulse is of supporters around Australia and around the world as far as how they believe their clubs have done during the trade period. So over the last several days, in the last week or so, I've conducted closing in on a dozen interviews now with supporters of all sorts of different clubs. And in this episode, I'm going to be sitting down to talk with Michael Livingston, who's a longtime Swan supporter, and Sharn Sars, who is a Magpie supporter. Great conversations with both of these gentlemen. Now, Sharn had a, a rather unique take on things because, let's be honest, many people, after they saw what the Magpies had uh, done during the trade period, it was very doom and gloom. But Sharn has a completely different take on what the Pies did during the trade period, and he laid out a rather good argument as to why the Stevenson and Trelore trades were actually good deals for the Pies going forward. So sit back and relax and enjoy my discussions with Michael and Sharn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest uh, is a Swan supporter, and he previously worked as an umpire in footy for a decade, and that's something that I'm hoping that he and I can sit down and explore a little bit more deeply in the future. I'd like to welcome Michael Livingston to the podcast. Michael, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It, it was a... Uh, I'm glad that you reached out. This is this has been a a fun adventure these last few days, just getting these these organized. Because I have a couple um, interviews that I'm doing at five thirty in the morning uh, in the in the coming days. So, you know, you're a Swan supporter. And how are are you from the Sydney area? Originally, I'm actually from Melbourne. So, okay. and people don't actually actually know this, but uh, the Swans themselves weren't actually from Sydney originally. They were actually from South Melbourne. So. And they were there for just over 108 years. And then in 1982, they moved over to Sydney after suffering some financial problems. And they've been there ever since. And as to how I became involved with them, my family has been following the Swans since the 1930s. Oh, okay. so wow. It's been, so it's a, wow. it's a really big family thing. So. Okay. Okay. So you see, so you're, you, are, you are a blood through and through. I love it that you actually put that up because most people actually know that little nickname. People, people associate with the culture that we have and the fact that you pull it up and say, you're a blood supporter. Like, that's great. I'm surprised you're not one yourself given you're a uh, Cats fan. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I, it took me a while to figure out which team I wanted to support. And uh, when I finally did, now that the player that drove me to doing that is now playing for Brisbane. So <laughs> he just moved over this year. So, do you uh, do you find yourself getting? Do you get the opportunity to go to a lot of games at the? They play at the SCG, right? Or yeah, so they play at the SCG, okay. and they also play at, at, at the showgrounds. A couple of other stadiums, including the MCG, Etihad, or sorry, actually saying Marvel Stadium as it is called now, mm -hmm. and a variety of other stadiums around the country. So, a lot of the times, if I see matches, not going to be in Sydney, they'll be down in Melbourne, and they play. They play around eight matches in Melbourne a year. Right, right. So I'm always going out and watching matches there. If I get an opportunity to go up to Sydney sometime soon, I'll go up and watch them there. So okay. that's a little one in, once in a lifetime opportunity, though. Okay. So 
you know, the trade period has come and gone last week, and uh, City didn't make a whole lot of moves, but uh, what are the first words that kind of come to your mind at the end of the trade period about, about how they did? Well, to be honest, in terms of this current trade period, I openly feel that the Swans were too quiet. Keep in mind, okay. after the season was over, they had, there were three areas that they had to target in order to improve the playing list and get the team ready for, for the next season, and they haven't actually addressed that yet. Those being, they needed a ruck, they needed a key forward to help out uh, Lance Franklin and Sam Reed, and they needed a key back. Because right now, in terms of back when we are undersized compared to most of the clubs. So... They made only one move, and that was to get Tom Hickey. I would say an okay Ruckman, but not the one I would have definitely chosen for. Someone that said, let's go harder for someone like a Braden Proust who went to GWS, or, or let's, let's push Port Adelaide a little harder and get Peter, Lad- Peter uh, Laddams. Sorry. But yeah, they, if, if they would have gone for someone like that, I would have been a lot happier with it, but I'm not exactly sure how... Tom Hickey is going to fit into the mix because he, he's throughout his entire career he's been a backup ruckman to guys like uh, Nat Nui and Vardy over at West Coast, mm-hmm. and it's just very hard to understand as to where how he's going to fit. Okay, and you know that that was you know you mentioned about the, the size with the ruck and that sort of thing. That was you know in the I probably watched a dozen of the Swans games this year, and that one of the things they talked about is that when because they, they were decimated by injuries this year, they yeah, had absolutely. a lot of people hurt and it looked as though all of your talls were injured that, you know, that you didn't, you know, you were hard had a hard time finding anybody that was over about 185 centimeters tall to play. Yeah. It's a real trouble with, with football. Like most times you want to have a couple of guys who are around that size. And when you're decimated by injury continuously, you're fighting, you're fighting more of a David and Goliath battle each and every week. And that's a real challenge, especially in the way the game's played right now. Having that, that kind of height available is a massive asset. And when you lose it, you lose a lot of, a lot of the, the necessary capability to get to play well. Like, um, we look at Geelong, look at Richmond. You notice how many tools do they have on their list at the moment and how many of them were able to perform consistently. When you take the tools away from a team, they lose out because then they have to rely on the mistakes made by the opponents to get back into it. And that's a real problem. Right. That's, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. When you're, when you're at the center bounce, you just, you know, you're, or the, the ball in, you're, you're struggling to get your hands on it because their guy's not really having to compete that hard for it. So you don't have anybody to, to really battle with them. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. It's becoming a scrap when that happens. And that's when games either get won or lost based on what the midfielders end up doing and if the ruck is not, if the ruck battle isn't balanced, then that opposition is going to win every single time because it, it wouldn't work. And I've seen thousands of games where, um, where the rucks were undersized or out of position or weren't in form going against guys who, who knew what they were doing and they just lost it every single time. Now, you had to be, you had to be pleased, though. You know, even though they, were, they had a ton of injuries, they did not stop competing they they that that club played hard all year and they won games they that maybe some people, yeah they did definitely play hard and i think that's a big testament to what the swans actually are 
since 2003, the Swans have been continuously ridiculed for their ability to fight hard, particularly in close games. And this is just a testament to their character over the last 17 years where they only missed finals on four occasions and have still, and have still managed to come back and play consistently for it. So the fact that they always fight hard is a thing that I'm always going to respect about them. So this year wasn't really our year. COVID and all these other injuries kind of played a part in that. But right, right. I'm really happy with, with the way they went about it. There were a lot of close games, games they could have potentially have won, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't in their favor. It, yeah, and, and that, that in and of itself, I think, is a, a learning experience for them going forward. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, you, you, had a, you had a season where you, you played the season without arguably the best goal kicker of this generation. And they had to figure out how else are we going to score? And that's the thing really, because a lot of clubs place a lot of value on their big key forwards and they don't give as much, much value to the small forwards. And this year we were forced to do that without buddy. So we had to rely on a lot of small forwards to kind of the work forwards, guys like uh, Will Hayward, Tom Papley, uh, Louis Taylor. Even even a young Debbie Tomball and a Sam Wicks was really big for us in that respect. So small forwards don't always get the kudos that they get. There are one or two exceptions to that, though, being like an Eddie Betts or a uh, or, or Charlie Cameron. So yep. there, there is a people don't really understand how how much value they kind of add to the team. And this year the Swans kind of did that without without tall. So they put a lot of value in the fact that they had essentially a mosquito flea to kind of play their games, and that was a real testament despite how everything went down. So do you think, do you think, uh, you know, he was out all of last year. Do you, do you think Buddy has much left in the tank? Look, and I, I tell you this to a lot of people who asked me about why on earth would he sign Buddy in the first place. Now, I'll admit in the beginning, Buddy was signed to a big contract that was very, very questionable. Nine, uh, nine year deal on wow. $10 million. You would never see that in any other player the only player who would ever come close to that would be a, a Jordan Dugowie, a Dusty Martin, or even a Patrick Dangerfield, for that matter. You would never see any other player come close to that. And from the very start, everyone's had questions over the fact that he'll be able to play to the end of this contract. Given the fact that he's seven years in, I think he's still got enough to go into the very end of the deal. Okay. There's only ever been one other player who's, who's played longer than that, and that was a, a guy from Brisbane by the name of Alistair Lynch. And he was signing a 10-year deal. Mm-hmm. So, when people say to me, "You, he's not going to play the end of it. He's going to retire a year early, or an injury's going to take him out," I say, "You don't know what's going to happen next. The, the man has been is getting older. Yes, there are some injuries that are creeping up on him, but when he gets out in the park, he busts his butt and he plays. He plays well, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand. If you said that about a Tom Hawkins or a, or a, even, a, even a Tom Lynch." you wouldn't get the same response because they're on deals that are significantly shorter. Right, so, right. So no one kind of puts that real pressure on it. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, if he comes back in, I think that's going to be a, a significant help because, you know, he's, he still is going to draw, you know, a second defender that's going to be looking at him all the time, which is going to help oh, open, up, open up the ground to those, those small forwards who got a lot more experience this year because he wasn't there. That's the thing I like to point out too, because people don't realize the kind of impact that Buddy has, particularly in a club, 
And when you when you say he brings a second defender with him, that's a massive help to a lot of players who would feel completely outnumbered in in the face of an in the face of an absolute challenge. And this got, I also had to go back to what I said in the other trade period. They were looking for a key forward to help him because when there's no second key forward to kind of help Buddy out, he it's an absolute challenge to get the ball to him under any circumstance. And it's the same with the small forwards too. Right, Between, exactly. So, and there was an instance where this was, this was really highlighted to um, between 2013 and 2017, the Swans had Kurt Tippett and Buddy Franklin on the forward line. And there was no way you couldn't get Buddy Franklin with a, with a, with a one-on-one. He was able to get that most of the time and he was at a dime because he had that second tool there to kind of help him out. Right, right. So, I, so having I, a second call that help him really pushes the agenda so that he can still play well. Yeah, I think that's what Geelong is hoping to do this year with bringing in Jeremy Cameron to an extent, being able to take, you know, compel other clubs to say, okay, which guy is, are you going to pay attention to? Yeah, that's the real challenge when you have two key power forwards. Yeah. The Swans did it for, for four or five years between Buddy and Tipper and then let Buddy and Reed. So people don't – even Richmond's done it as well with was, uh, Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch. That's so, who I was just going to bring them up, yeah. So, yeah, it's incredibly big to have that second board there because when that second board is not there, it just makes it all the more harder for them to get in the game. Right, right. And it opens things up. You, know, you, looked at what, you look at what Richmond did in the grand final. It opens things up for Dusty. Absolutely. Yeah. When you have that kind of focus down there, no one's going to worry about a midfielder who kind of who kind of goes in every now and then. It just it it takes all the pressure off him to say, okay, no one's going to be harassing harassing me or wearing like a suit. I'll go in there, I'll make an impact, and they aren't going to be able to stop it because they've got too many other things to handle. Exactly, exactly. Now, I had a couple other things I wanted to ask you. Um, are there any players that are out there that were delisted that you think could come in and, and help the Swans that, you know, that didn't get signed as free agents during the, you know, the trade period that could possibly come on board? Funny you should mention that. There are actually two names that have popped up on my, on my agenda in the last couple of weeks. The first one from the North Melbourne Football Club, who was recently delisted, that was Majak Dor. The... Yeah. yeah, being a ruckman, I think he'd be a great help if he was to be signed by the Swans. But of course, they need to work on his attitude because apparently his attitude was not that great. He was considered a lazy footballer, so okay. there's a bit of a risk there. And the other one, which I didn't expect at all, was uh, Paddy McCartan, who was originally okay. yeah, yeah. Because I, I was because gonna because his brother's currently playing with us at the moment too, so. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point, and that may be that may be a good draw to get him there to have yeah, that opportunity. And the reason why he was out as well was because of like multiple concussions. Right. Right. And he's finally been given the chance to play again. So yeah. He, in my opinion, if he does, if he does come back, he won't go to his own club. He'll come to the Swans instead because he was was a play with his brother. Right. Yeah. One that one that I've been thinking about, and and he's not. He's not a tremendous player, and he got zero opportunity this year. Was uh, and he was with the Cats for a few years. Was Wiley Buzza, who was you know kind of a a, a key forward ruck 
with the with the Cats. He went to Port last year. I don't think he played a single game with them last year, but he's uh, I think he's close to 200 centimeters, if not a little more than that. Really wiry, curly hair. You know, didn't know if he'd be somebody that could possibly help them out in the ruck as well. Well, there's a possibility there. Like, there's no reason why they couldn't give him a shot. Yeah. But at the same time, they have to consider, is he battle-tested enough to kind of That's take That's a good point. Because a lot of people have different beliefs for this, but in my opinion, if you're going to take on a player, he has to be, he has to have at least debuted and he has to be battle-tested because there's no point taking on a fresh player if they aren't going to be willing to take on the, the responsibility. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, and yeah, I'm what, and I'm not even positive on when this happens. And in terms of the the time frame where the uh, the delisted players are eligible to be signed, does that happen before or after the draft? That happens uh, in the period leading up to the draft. Okay. Okay. And, and afterwards, so because the draft is only run on one specific over over two specific days. Right. Right. And going into that period and going out of it, that's when the whole delisted free agency kind of happens. Okay. Where players are going to be signed on again. Now, you guys have pick three, which might get which might end up getting pushed to pick four, depending on what the Bulldogs do with uh, they've got a like a I think it's a father son or a, an academy player that they're looking to add at the number one spot. That's why they went out and picked up the points that they did to go get him. Uh, he has a hyphenated name. I can't remember his name right now. But what are you what are you looking for the club to be getting with that uh, that early pick? What are your What are your thoughts? In terms of that number three pick, I think that the club is really set on either one or two specific players, and they're actually from the Swans Academy. So okay, there are two. Usually now every year, there's usually two or three players who come up in consideration for being top ten picks or something close to that within the, within the Swans Academy system. So generally, right now we're trying to build a list that's primarily based around these academy players because for years the Swans have had problems with player retention. So by getting kids out of uh, say Victoria or Western Australia or or in Queensland, it's very hard to hold on to them after their two years are up. So and and, and they all want to go home and play for their home states. So by building a list that's created with the academy players, it kind of it gives more security to them to know, okay, these guys aren't just going to walk out on us after two years. Right, they'll right. actually have a chance here to really develop and make this uh, make this club their own. Okay, yeah, that's a good point, and that's that's something I want to explore with people down the road and ask them about, you know, because the 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 homesickness thing, if if you want to call it that. Um, or wanting to play with your, your home. Yeah, that's something that it doesn't happen as often in, say, the NFL, that type of thing. Of course, you know, the, the contract, those initial contracts are longer. So it's, it's always one of those things that I wonder, you know, what if the, you know, the Players Association, you know, agreed to or the, the league agreed to them having them play a or you know, be compelled to sign a, a longer initial contract that would keep them there for, three years or something of that nature that would maybe help them to develop that, that appreciation for the club that they ended up going to. I think that is a possibility, but at the same time, you can't put Ezem on, on, on a player who's just coming into the system. Let's say they were in for five, 10 years and they were asked to move away from their home state. I think they'd be okay with that. But for a young kid coming in, there is an element of homesickness to it. 
and I've actually witnessed it with a couple of people. In fact, um, what am I thinking of? A recent player who played in the grand final, matter of fact, for Geelong, Gary Rowan. Mm-hmm. He was originally with the Swans before right. he went to Geelong. And uh, he expressed at the time when he wanted to leave that he was a bit homesick because he wanted, he wanted to go back to, uh, to Victoria to kind of just be around family. At the time, he'd lost his, uh, one of his daughters to, uh, to, to a rare illness. So, I and there were other things that. at the same time. So, there is a necessity for, for the homesickness factor because when a player has to move from a home state into a new club, it's a, it's a massive foreign environment. And yeah. Imagine a kid who's just turned 18 and they have to move out of home into an entirely new environment. How are they going to cope? That's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. That's it takes a long time for them to be able to adapt and, and kind of get used to it. And they know within one or two years if it's really the place for them to really be. So that's okay. kind of why that the contracts are usually around one to two years at most. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's really not footy related, but uh, it's, it's definitely swan, re- swan related. What do you think of the new logo? I think the logo is a is a good improvement on what was originally there. Keep in mind that old logo was there for since the mid nineties when they were really really struggling. That's been a real symbol for a lot of the fans to kind of get around. But for me, looking at this new logo, it looks great. I'm taking anything away from the designers who made it, but it still feels a little incomplete. Okay. Now the reason why I say that is because they could have gone back and taken anything from some of the older logos that the clubs had over, over the years and put that in, and that would have made it completely whole. But in my opinion, if they wanted to make it complete, they would have added in the, the, the club's motto from long before they had moved to Sydney. And it, it actually is a very, very powerful motto as well. So, What is that motto? I'm not familiar with that. The original motto for the Swans uh, in Latin was Alt Vincere more which translated to English means to conquer or to die. So wow, and that's and that's been an epitome of their character from the time they started till the time I had to move away from Melbourne. So I figured if they were to incorporate that in the logo, it'd be a massive plus, and it wouldn't just signify the Melbourne roots, but it would also say, yes, we are an aggressive, hard nut club, and we have the motto to say we will not go down without a fight. Okay. Cool. That's that. I like that. I like adding that on there. That's that would be a great addition. Is that something? You know, maybe that could become part of like a like one of the alternative you know jerseys. Not necessarily not necessarily the one that's for uh, indigenous route, the indigenous round, but something that they could wear as a uh, as an extra one. Then the jerseys are a bit of a mixed bag for me because with the, with the, the swans logo that's been around for 20 odd years everyone's kind of used to that one mm-hmm. but i think the one that everyone really wants to go towards now is the original south melbourne version which was the white the, the plain white with the red v and that okay. and that's a really that's a really famous jumper for us so i feel that if i really wanted to make it they want to take it take it back to like a heritage round or something like that they would use that kind of jumper so it, it kind of so it so kind of looked. It kind of looked a little bit like the, uh, almost like the 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 jersey they wore in like the State of Origin game for Victoria. That that kind of thing. Yeah, that did that kind of thing. And the, and the bit of a reason behind it is because the V is for Victoria, 
and that's a big symbol for, for Victorians. So you probably find it on Google or something like that. There's been different variations of it over time. Even okay. when they first started, it was red and white hoops and then it changed to a red sash and they changed to a red V. And then when they moved away to Sydney, it became the, uh, the white with the opera house uh, silhouette. Right, right. Now, did the, did the reason they changed the, the, the opera house thing? So I, I thought I read that they, that the opera house wanted to get paid for having that logo on, having that image on their the jerseys. I'm not exactly sure of the exact details, but one side of it was that the opera house was trying to charge $50,000 a year in licensing fees for, uh, for using the, uh, the silhouette. Okay. And it's funny too, because they actually got another sporting club in Australia, the Sydney Kings basketball team on that too. And they, and they got rid of it. Okay. To yeah. me, it was a, it was an unnecessary uh, cash grab, which has basically backfired in, in, in their faces because there was no point to ask for that kind of money for a symbol which has been on a jersey for more than twenty odd years. Right, it right. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the uh, at the old jerseys with the with the, the red V on there. Do you worry though about the uh, the people in New South Wales saying, "Why are we putting the V for Victoria on the jerseys of our club if they're playing here?" It's a bit of a mixed bag. Like okay. I understand, there's a lot of different views, particularly on the fans, whether they come from Victoria or from New South Wales, because a lot of the Swan City was based in Victoria, so that's why they had the V at all, and that's why it's in the logo. And we don't usually see the, the, the V jersey around as much anyway. It's used more for like a heritage purpose. Okay. So yeah. there's, there shouldn't really be that much of a problem. I think... It, it just, in my opinion, they should be using the red V more as like an away jersey okay. or something like that. Like okay. the home jersey is fun as it is, but just bring out the V for the away jersey because it, it looks so much more phenomenal as opposed to what the away strip kind of looks like. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at one that has the, uh, the swan with the wings all, all up and it has the, uh, the Latin phrase underneath it kind of on a little sash. Underneath that's, it. That, the, that's, that's the original logo from the 30s, which I'm also really think they could have used. Yeah, that that looks sharp. That that that's that's a nice. I like that one. That's something I think they could have gone with that. But it, well, the know. logos evolved a lot over the years, and that original one from the 30s was kind of like the cat cry yeah. to the club at the time. So as to where it is now, it's it's evolved, but I think it's really kind of gone back to where it really needs to be. Cool. Because some of the later logos, when you look at them, they, they kind of seem, oh, they've lost their kind of aggressiveness. Yeah. So yeah, when I'm I see that new one, look at it, one that has the, it's it's a South Melbourne one, and it has the VFL logo on, it and it's got the the swan kind of with the teeth opened up on the side. That's yeah, that. That's a great logo. Yeah, that's kind of cool too. That's yeah. kind of cool too. Well, hey, Robert or, or Michael, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking sorry. Robert Louis Stephen. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's after midnight here. It's uh. <laughs> Michael, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, fitting me into your schedule today and coming on and, and talking about the swans and uh, talking about the trade period. I, 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 I really appreciate you taking time. I hope to be able to have you come back on and talk about umpiring because I, that, I think that's a fascinating topic that, that I really want to explore and, and learn, you know, what is a held ball? Yeah. <laughs> 
If we go on and down for I'll be talking to you for hours on end. So sounds good. Have plenty to hear from me on that. That sounds great. So again, my my guest was uh, Michael Livingston, uh, big Swan supporter. And uh, Michael, again, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, and thanks so very much. And uh, wish the Swans best of luck. Well, thank and you, and thank you for having me on the show. You bet. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is coming to me from, or coming to us from Brisbane, but he's not a Lions supporter. He is a Magpie, Magpie supporter, and based upon the discussions that we, uh, we had over the last couple of days, he has a slightly different um, approach or take on the, uh, the Pies moves. I'd like to welcome Sharon Sars to the podcast. Sharon, thanks for coming on. Thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. No problem, mate. This has uh, been a bit of a, a crazy trade period, uh, a huge flurry of moves that happened, especially at the end, and they all seem to be focused on the, uh, the club in black and white. Yeah, yeah, nothing unusual there. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a lot of moves, and they, they have definitely made uh, headlines throughout the, the footy world with what the, the Magpies have done. You know, they, they, they shipped out Jaden Stevenson. They shipped out uh, Adam Terlore and uh, Tom Phillips as well. And another young man who's, you know, it's way too early in the morning for me to be pronouncing his name. Uh, I just call him Artu. There you go. I'm glad you said it. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> were, you, were you when the when the trade period ended and you saw and everything came out? Because if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, the 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 Stevenson and Trelaw deals came right at the end. Um, what were your thoughts as as this transpired? Well, initially when I first heard about it, the rumors. Um, I was actually kind of uh, keen to actually trade out Trelaw. Um, you know, as much as like, I love, I love the player. I love him as a person. I've met him before, and he's an absolutely fantastic bloke. Um, but uh, realistically, I, I, I've expected more, um, and I'll go into that a bit more. But uh, at the end, when I, I sort of thought it wasn't going to get done, and I was like, "Wow, okay, so maybe." Stevenson's going to be the only big one sort of going, like, uh, apart from Phillips, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it was, I was a bit uh, hmm, just, geez, it doesn't seem like it's going to go through. And then when I heard it did go through, my initial thought was, wow, you know, we didn't get as much as what I wanted to go and get for him. But um, having said that, you know, it is uh, an unusual situation. And uh, I guess other clubs got wind on you know, what Collingwood's uh, trying to do. And uh, we didn't really have much leverage to uh, bargain with, really. Yeah, because this, this was, you know, whether they want to admit it or, or not, it was, it, they were kind of up against the salary cap and they needed to clear out some space. If uh, it's, it's kind of what it looks like in the, that's come out through the news media and such. And a lot of people have talked about that. You know, and that yeah, I definitely think the salary cap's definitely a major factor in it all. And, um, uh, for me, it all goes back to 2018 um, when we were like a whisker away from winning the grand final. And I guess uh, Collingwood's perspective at the time was, well, if we can bring in Dane Beans, 
it can be the icing on the cake that'll um, get us there, but uh, it didn't really work out that way. Yeah, it's. Uh, do you think the uh, looking back at it, do you think that the the Grundy deal was was too large of a a contract for them? I mean, that's not one that I had really thought about before, but I know some folks have said that that's uh, that that's one that, that they're paying a significant amount of money on, and. Uh, and again, you know, you have to factor in the fact that nobody could have anticipated the pandemic having the impact on every club in the comp, you know, and it, and it certainly impacted, you know, the Magpies as, as severely as anybody else. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, like at the end of 2018, when we brought Beams in, we've pretty much gone right to the limit of our cap and we've pretty much said, listen, uh, we're, we're really going for a flag in the next couple of years. We think we can get it. We've gone pretty much all in and it really didn't work out well. And then, yeah, as you said, with COVID coming down this year, it's uh, exacerbated it even more, really. So it was either, it was a matter of, you know, like, do we have the players right now that we think that we can go and push for a premiership in the next year or two? Or are we going to go and make the changes now that we're going to go and, you know, they're tough calls. And, so, uh, yeah. having made the moves, having made the moves that they did make, and you know, I and I, the Trelaw deal, it reminded me of something that happened in here in the NFL. I don't know if you follow American football at all. Um, yeah, yeah, we we had a, a situation uh, about four years ago uh, where the the team in Houston had a player that they had signed to a very expensive contract, and it turned out he was a terrible player. So they were looking to get rid of his contract. So they, yep. traded, they traded him to Cleveland, and they said, Cleveland, you take, uh, you take on his contract, and we will give you a second-round pick to take his contract and give us a fourth-round pick back. Yep. So that, that, to me, that's a lot what the Trelaw pick looked like, that they had to basically you know, pay the Bulldogs to take on his contract and got yeah. something, something back, but not a huge amount back. Essentially, that's it, really. Uh, you know, like – as I said before, I love Trelaw. I think he's he's great, and he well, he's the number one possession um, getter in the comp. You know, even this year, even though he'd only played like about ten games this year uh, on aggregate, I think he still um, was the number one disposal winner for the for the year per per game. But when you look a bit more into it, though, you know, sure he gets a lot of the ball, but uh, you know. His disposal uh, efficiency is only at around sixty percent, but then you look at his kicking. And it's under 50%. And so, you know, more than half the time he kicks the ball, it's going to end up in the opposition. And that's pretty damaging. That's, that's a good and, point. And there's a lot of other stats. Like, like he's, a, he's an attacking mid, yet only kicked one goal this year. His um, goal accuracy is only around 12%. So he's kicked one goal. I think I'm not too sure how many behinds he's kicked. But... Uh, it, but having said that, it has been an off year for everyone. And, and I was thinking the same with Steve-O. He's had a really bad year. It's just one of those funny years. But um, having said that as well, there's a lot of rumours going around. You never really know what's going on behind the scenes. But uh, back exactly. to Trelaw, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, he's just not as damaging as what I really think that we could go and get. And I think at the end of 2018, uh, you know, we wanted to keep the team together. We, we um, thought just bringing Beams in, we, we could go and do that. But it just didn't work out, unfortunately, um, with Beams. And, um, and I think they've just made the tough call. And who can we sort of take out of the team to 
give us the cap space to be able to bring in a new free agent um, and, and to be able to, you know, d deal in trades because uh, uh, we just haven't been able to do it in the last year or so because of uh, how tight in the salary cap we are. So, um, you know, and then on top of that, it's, you know, he's got his injury concerns with his hamstrings, like two um, hamstring uh, injuries in, well, at the same time in 2018. And then again this year, you know, at the start of the year, he, he nicked another hammy and then mid, midway through the year, pulled the hammy again and he was out for, gosh, I can't remember how many games. But, but you know, going on the games just this year, you know, he played um, about 10 games. And I think we won five and we lost five with him in the team, you know. So it's, I, I think out of anyone who's making good money out of uh, in Collingwood, he's one player that we could go and get rid of, that we can go and get someone that's just as good, if not better, that's younger and possibly even at a cheaper price as well. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, the way his, his uh, contract was structured, his salary was only going to increase during the, uh, the course of the contract because, if I'm not mistaken, they back-ended it. Well, that's what it sounds like. Um, yeah. I'm a little, um, you know, like, it's all a bit of hearsay, really, with uh, contracts. Um, I'm sure people sort of get wind of it, uh, but... You hear a lot of different figures getting floated around and who knows what the real story is. But it does sound like uh, it would have been back-ended. Um, who knows it, around what price, but, no, you know, it just didn't work out in the end. And, and we had to make the tough call. Trelaw, for me, was the right one to go and uh, trade out, um, which is really sad because he's, he's a great player. He's a great bloke. And that's why Collingwood supporters are so upset, you know. Like, he's, he, he loves the club. He's he's a absolute genuine bloke. He's a really nice guy, but you know, like in AFL footy, you know, it's a very emotional game. But exactly. you got to sort of uh, hold those emotions back and 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 think logically when you're dealing with trades and all that sort of stuff. You know, the the stuff behind the scenes. So uh, tough calls, but I, I think they're the right ones. And we can really look at look ahead now and and. Uh, I, honestly think that, that Collingwood's got someone uh, lined up or they've, uh, as a free agent for next year. Um, it also is going to go and give us an opportunity in this draft. And I know that the picks that we've got at the moment aren't that good, but uh, I'm thinking what they're going to do is package up 14, 16 and next year's first and to someone like North and we'll go and get pick number two. And then with, um, I think... Uh, you know, McDonald's the one that uh, I'm really looking at. Okay, because I was going to ask you what you thought was going to happen with the uh, with the draft and what they might be targeting. But you, yeah, that's that that may not be such a bad move for either of them because you know North they 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 gutted their list. I think they delisted 11 players at the end of the that's season, right. so they're they're having to you know they're having to fill out a significant a portion of, of their list. That's right, uh, exactly. So. Well, many people have damned me for it, going, no way North will accept that, you know, da-da-da. But I, I, honestly, I think that, you know, the one pick, sure, they can get a gun player, but they're, they're after quite a few, you know. So I think if we could give them 14, 16, and next year's first, which we don't really need because Dacos is going to be coming through, possibly a top three um, pick. It'll be a waste. Uh, uh, that pick will just go straight on Dacos, where we can use later picks. Uh, so we might as well uh, trade it out. And um, I don't think we're going to go and drop as much as some people are freaking out next year. Um, 
a lot of people are sort of suggesting, oh, don't trade next year's uh, first. It could be turned into a top five pick anyway in itself. And I don't think that's the that's going to happen. Well, fingers crossed. But uh, I think it's just a sensible move where we can go and get in, uh, if, particularly if it's McDonald. Wow, you know, like uh, that would be amazing. He's a, he's a mad Collingwood supporter as well, even though he lives in Perth. Um, and... Uh, you know, he's just the type of player that we need. But having said that, say, for instance, uh, Adelaide picks him. You know, there's some other great ones out there as well, like um, like Hollands and uh, Phillips um, that are mids. Um, not necessarily a key position player, but, um, you know, I think that uh, with the retirement of Buckley, uh, of uh, Pendlebury and um, side bottom over the next few years, you know, like the midfield... Uh, we need to get some new young guys in there as well. Absolutely, yeah. Do you do you worry at all? And and I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not there to see everything that, that's going on that's discussed in the media and such. You know, you know, Eddie McGuire finally, you know, made some comments that he thought that the uh, that the footy media was kind of uh, piling on or you know really going after the pies because of these moves, and you know. Twitter kind of exploded about that, you know, with people commenting, well, that's the same thing that Eddie does in, in his position in the media as well. Um, do, you know, that one of the things that I discuss with my students when we talk about the news media is, is that in many cases it sends to sensationalize things, you know, kind of the, the concept of if it bleeds, it leads. So the uglier yeah. the story, the, you know, the, it's going to get out there and it's going to make news. That's and that right. sort of thing. And, and, and seeing Collingwood, the, the, the club being in distress as it is right now is, is good, is good media, is good television. It's good radio. Oh, yeah. it's a great thing to talk it's, about. It, it gets clicks. It gets clicks, you know, and that's what they're after. Well, that's, let's be honest. That's one of the reasons why we're talking here right now, because yep. you know, you're, you're the, like I said, the, the one magpie supporter that I've run across that, that has looked at this and said, yes, I like these moves. I think in the long term, it needed to be done and, and I'm happy about it. Or I'm, I'm content, yeah. maybe not happy, but content with it. I, I understand it. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, sure, I, I wish uh, c- certain things went down differently. Like, uh, I wish we got some better picks. But, you know, I understand, you know, that uh, uh, Colin was in the situation. You know, I think that they really just wanted to try and be as quiet about it as they can, you know, because it's quite a sensitive issue, just the fact of, trading out players that are under contract, but then some of the sensitive issues in relation to Trelaw as well. I think it's uh, a little unfair on him, the way the media's gone about the whole thing. And, um, and, and then Collingwood's tried to sort of take a step back from it all, which I thought was fantastic because I, I get sick and tired of, uh, you know, coming into trade period, you don't want to go and let anything out. And, and, I, and, and I don't get how the media sort of, they, they feel like they're entitled that, or they expect Collingwood to answer all their questions about things. It's, it's like, no, no, that's not the way it works. And, um, and, I, and I thought it was actually great that we were actually keeping our mouths shut. But unfortunately, this year, um, with uh, what's sort of gone down, the media's just become like vultures and uh, uh, made a, a, a situation into a... Like, you look at North Melbourne, right? Well, they've, they've just gone and sacked their coach. They've just gone and had for one year, mid-contract, that's true. No, there That's wasn't true. much said about it, really, you know, like that in Collingwood goes and, um, you know, sacks or, you know, trades off a, um, a few players and 
it's like the whole uh, the sky's falling down. You know, it's uh, it's pretty crazy how the, the media's jumped onto it so full on. And, and so I agree with Eddie. You know, that uh, I haven't heard what he said today, but um, does it going by what you said? Yeah. Does it? Um, yeah, he he stated uh, it was on the Fox Footy site. He said that uh, said that uh, he believes the club's trade period isn't as bad as it had been viewed externally, suggesting the media is trying to come after them for not speaking publicly publicly for much of its duration, which, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I watched the, uh, the interview that Ned Guy did on Fox footy pretty much immediately after the trade period ended. And that was, that was a very pretty hard, interesting. Pretty hard discussion. To watch. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was hard to watch, you know, cause he was, yeah. you know, cause he didn't want to come right out and say, yeah, we had to dump salary. Things happened. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I think ultimately deep down, even though there were you know things that were that were said about Adam Trelaw, I'm sure that the feelings that that they have about him as a person probably mirror what you were saying very closely. Yeah, without a doubt. But it's a business, you know. You, yeah, you've got to yeah. make these tough calls yeah. and yeah. Um, and not let the emotions uh, take over. And, and it makes me wonder whether the beams him coming over whether. They've uh, they let that the emotions. Well, at the, at the time, I guess you know. Ugh, Everyone sort of thought it was a it was a pretty good move, you know. In, in hindsight, it's always uh, a good thing. But uh, you know, like at the time, um, it, it was it was looked upon as a good move. Um, but I think you know, Colin was a bit, you know, once bitten twice shy. Now, you know, uh, there's a, there's a few, you know, I don't really want to get into Trelaw's, uh, um anxiety sort of issues because I, I think that's right, pretty right. Personal. Yeah, and, that can um, be. That can be if yeah, I became a I became you know I'm I'm a cat supporter so I I did not take offense when you said you didn't like the cats I'm okay with that <laughs> but uh, you know I mainly I, mainly because you guys beat us in the grand final yeah. well you know I I, I listened to a uh, an interview that that uh, Adam Trelor did with uh, Narrowly Meadows on her podcast and it's called called Ordinarily Speaking and I it's it's a wonderful uh, podcast where she goes in and does you know like a real deep dive into, into the, not just a player, the person is a player, but the person is a person. And I, I became, even though he, he played for the Magpies now for the Bulldogs, I became a Trelore supporter because of this conversation that he had with her and the things that he has had to deal with in, in his young life. And it was just, you know, it was great to see that, or to hear the positivity that was coming out of him. And this was last or early last year that this was a, uh, that this was recorded. You know, if you, if you haven't heard that, it's, I strongly encourage checking it out. It was a great, uh, great discussion that she had with him. Yeah, definitely. But that's, that's Trelaw. You know, he's, he's so open. He's, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's, he's honest. He's, um, he's a great bloke, you know, and that's why yeah. all Collingwood supporters love him, you know, and, uh, and that's why this is a really tough one. Um, uh, you know, but in, in the end, you know, like, there's a lot of other players out there that we can get that are like Trelaw. And, and as far as uh, being able to just put ourselves in a position where we can go and uh, improve, you know, right, I, I guess right. the clubs looked at, at this year and just gone, can this side go and win a premiership, you know, like, and I think that at the end of the year, they've just gone, listen, we need to make some changes now. Like, um, and so that's what they've just gone to ch- um, chose to go and do. And if they 
I think if we got a bit more in the trades back, I don't think there would have been as much backlash. But having said that, I, I, I hope that we can go and get a high draft pick this year. And, um, you know, if we can pull off one of the, you know, either McDonald or um, Phillips or, you know, there's, a, there's, there's quite a few um, good players. I mean, and, and Collingwood obviously really rates this draft anyway, you know, so... I think that, uh, you know, we're looking good for the future. We've got Dacos coming in next year as well, who's going to be an absolute gun by the sounds of it. And, uh, and uh, in the midfield as well, you know, so Pendles and Sidebottom, when they eventually uh, retire, you know, we'll have him and uh, um, coming through the ranks. And uh, I think it's actually really uh, exciting, <laughs> you know, like, like Stevenson as well. He was one of my favourite players, you know, like... The, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's it's sad, but uh, that's just footy. You know, I, I look at right, the NBA, right. over America, you know, and and the way it's done over there, a lot of the players just get traded without even you know knowing, and then they just boom shipped off to another city in the in the country, and that's where they just got to go. There's no say at all in it. Exactly, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you worry though? You know, and, and I was just wondering, I just a couple things I wanted to to touch on. Do you worry about the the impact that this series of events with uh with adam Terlor and with Jaden stevenson do you, th- do you worry about the impact that that's going to have on them to be able to bring in free agents who may be concerned about you know okay if i sign up you know a, a four-year contract with with the pies and i'm planning on being here that that they may be trying to ship me out after a year or two do you worry about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I better not, um, you know, like uh, backload my contract, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, well, they have to, uh, well, from everything I've read, they have to, you know, whatever the, the numbers are, they have to get paid that wherever they go. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the, the, the team taking, like, for example, the Bulldogs, I guess, have the opportunity to to restructure when those dollars are going to get paid. They don't, they, they may end up front-loading the contract at this point in time and giving him, more money up front and less at the end kind of a thing if they chose to do that. Yeah. But to answer your question, I, I don't have real, any real concerns about that. I think that when you think logically about it, I, I think that it's a, it's a, a move that we have to make. Um, all clubs go and do it. They, uh, you know, you just got to make some tough calls sometimes and um, whether they're contracted or not, like you see players doing it all the time, you know, like, like for whatever reasons. And, and I've heard your other podcasts before where you're talking about in Australia compared to America, like you rarely hear about players in America that want to go back to their home cities, you know, and right, uh, right. whereas over here in Australia, it happens quite regularly, you know, and, and it's, it's amazing how players tend to do it all the time. But yeah, when a club goes to do it, it's really frowned upon. Whereas in the States, it seems to be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. It, it, it tends to be a, a bit more of a unique situation when it happens in the AFL. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I think the AFL is also in a situation where it's a very traditional, you know, there's a lot of tradition that's in AFL that they want to try and keep there. And, and loyalty is one of those things, you know, as far as clubs goes. And, um, you know, like players would stick with clubs their whole careers and of, and it's it's slowly been changing over the years to the point now where a lot of players really have a lot more power to do whatever they want. So uh, you know, I, I do recall hearing an interview once where the I think it might have even been Collingwood where they were saying it might have been amongst all this trade stuff where they said that they would love to be able to go and just have everyone on one year contracts and you could just review everyone every year and then 
and adjust it that way, but that probably will, will never happen, you know, but um, unfortunately, That's... some players, you know, like, uh, you know, they just, it doesn't work out for them and they got to move on. And, uh, you know, as far as Stevenson just goes, I think this will probably be a good thing for him. Like, um, you know, he's a good player. There's something going on behind the scenes, I think. Um, I've heard rumours about his his training regime's not that good. So, um, who knows what the, the whole deal is, really. But um, sometimes just a move is, is a kick up the backside that a player needs. And um, That's true, that's true. Yeah, so I just think that uh, as far as Collingwood goes, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, we're going to be active in this uh, draft. It, it looks like a good one. I'm always, I've always gone to the actual drafts myself when I used to come up on the Gold Coast. I went to them all up here and you'd sit there for a few hours and hear them just do, you know, pick number one. And right. so I love researching all the new players and uh, that are coming through and uh, it's really exciting for me, you know. Like this, it's, uh, this, year, this year had to be a little bit more difficult to do that with as little yeah, footy getting definitely. played as there has been. That's right. Um, so uh it'll be interesting you know we've got a, an academy player coming through uh mcginn's and, and uh you know like earlier reports were you know mid first round pick but um he hasn't really had a chance to play this year you know so um you know the, uh, he could possibly drop down to the second round which i'm hoping but um right right yeah it's a very very unique year you know there's a lot of players out there that they haven't really got a, a chance to sort of see but having said that you know, scouts that check out all these players, they go and watch them for years, you know. So That's true. They see their progress over the years. Um, last year, they would have already had their list of where they thought the whole draft was going to go. And um, it, it won't change too much, you know, from last year's one, I, I wouldn't think, anyway. Okay. So one last thing before I uh, before we wrap this up here. When... when when the Ruse and when the, uh, the Bulldogs come to the MCG to play the Pies next year, and there's, yep. there's 90,000 people in the stands because you guys are going to have COVID taken care of and everybody's going to be allowed back in the stands. Positive thoughts yep. there. How, how are Jaden Stevenson and Adam Trelore going to be received? Will they get cheered when they, get, when they touch the ball? Do you think? I see I think they will. You'll have some idiots out there that'll go and boo. You know, they, you always do. But, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one to do that, really. Well, actually, I, I, did, I did do it once when, when <laughs> Daisy went to Carlton. You know, I couldn't stand that. <laughs> I had to let him know. But, um, yeah, you know, like, I, I think they're respected. Well, particularly to always a respected player. Uh, I think um, you'll probably find a lot of people actually applaud him, you know, so... Um, yeah, I was, I was wondering. You'll always find some idiots out there that that'll boo and jeer at whatever they can. Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering that simply because that they left not under their own. It wasn't their decision to head out, so that's why I was thinking. Yeah. I was wondering whether or not you know the the supporters would be supportive of them, knowing that they didn't yeah. make the decision to leave the club. The club made the decision to have them leave. That's right, and I, okay. I honestly do think that uh, yeah, based on that. It's not like it's a, a daisy that's gone, you know, I'm, I'm taking off and leaving and, and going to the enemy as well, you know. Right, that. right. So, uh, I don't think there'll be too many hard feelings. I think there's a, there's a lot of people that are upset. But slowly I'm seeing more and more people sort of go, you know what, 
shit happens sometimes. Let's, uh, you know, as much as I don't think it's, it's shit, you know, I actually yeah. think it's a, it's a thing, you know, and uh, uh, mind you, a lot of my friends just say, geez, you, you know, you always just see the positive in everything, but that's just the way I sort of uh, live. And I, and I try and look at the whole situation here from a logical point of view and, and just, um, you know, I, I, I understand what, what, what the pies have done, you know, and, um, Having said that, you know, like there's, um, like, how did we get into this situation? Should we have really got into this situation? Um, you know, with beans, you know, that's another question, you know, but um, uh, I, I just, uh, I'm really looking forward to it all anyway, mate. Um, I think that uh, I can't wait for the draft to come through um, and then uh, next year and then even the year after that as well. I think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be great in 2022 as well uh, with Dacos and, and if we get McDonald's, you know, it could be his first year playing. He might even play some games next year if we get him too. And uh, it'll be uh, very, very interesting because we need a bit more up forward, you know. And, um, and so uh, I think we'll see something a bit different next year anyway, um, regardless. Um, so it's going to be exciting times, mate. I'm really looking forward right. to it. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 don't, I want to thank uh, Sharon Sars for coming on. Sean, you had some great insight you know your your positivity in terms of where the pies are going to be heading here in the future was 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 terrific to hear if you're a pie supporter you might want to latch on to his philosophy about this instead of a lot of the doom and gloom that a lot of people seem to be having so sharon thanks so very much for coming on this afternoon i appreciate it no worries mate thanks very much ladies and gentlemen i would like to thank my guests michael livingston and sharon sars for reaching out and joining me on the podcast to talk about their club's trade period. Gentlemen, thanks so very much. Enjoyed the conversation. I hope you had a good time as well. It was a lot of fun here from this end. And again, thanks so very much for taking time out of your days to, uh, to stop by and chat. Truly appreciate it. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list, you get the episode delivered to you before anybody else. There's a short form in the show notes. Just click on the Google Doc and answer the questions, and I will get you added to the list. Also, if you're interested in possibly becoming a guest on the podcast to talk about your club's trade period or looking at things in an upcoming episode, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at yank underscore on or send me an email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast page on Facebook as well. I'm still hoping to talk with supporters of several clubs. I've put out a couple of additional tweets today mentioning that. Uh, hopefully you'll reach out. I'd love to talk to you. If you're a supporter of the Dockers or the Eagles or the Giants or the Tigers or the Crows or Suns or the Saints or the Roos or the Hawks or the Demons or even the Bulldogs, I'd love to talk to you. I've talked to seven clubs already. Now... Don't forget that while you can find all the episodes of this podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com, you can also find it on your, on your favorite podcast provider as well. And now that you've listened, I'd love it if you'd consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts that lets me know what I need to work on, what you like, and what could be improved upon. And don't forget that you can reach me again at yankonthefooty.gmail.com and on Twitter at yank underscore on, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. Before I wrap up, I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. Mr. McDade has created some fantastic music. I'm using the pieces Elevation and Backplate. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com music. He's also on Spotify. 
You can also find the podcast on YouTube. If you search out my name, Craig Wessels, I have every episode loaded up up there. It's just the audio version. It's just a static image. Uh, so if you choose to go that route, you can certainly find it there. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I, I thank you so very much for listening. And I ask that you consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 60 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.